What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? The most you ever lost on a coin toss. The clip you just heard comes from the 2007 Coen Brothers film, No Country for Old Men, when Anton Sugar flips a coin and makes the gas station attendant call it. It's a chilling scene, and one of the most memorable coin flips in cinematic history. Fortunately, the attendant makes the right call, and Sugar spares his life. In Breaking Bad Season 1 Episode 2, The Cat's in the Bag, Walt and Jesse flip a coin to decide who would handle Emilio and who would take care of Crazy Eight. In a scenario like this, I don't suppose it is bad form to just flip a coin. Hi, I'm Courtney, and this is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. In this bonus episode, I'll be discussing the significance of that coin flip from Cats in the Bag and how it acts as a catalyst for Walt's eventual change into Heisenberg. I'll also examine how choice and fate function within the broader story, though the focus will primarily be on Walt's trajectory, or should I say his growth, decay, then transformation. While rewatching the episode for episode 2 of Growth Decay Transformation, I couldn't help but think of that scene in No Country for Old Men. It made me curious about the history of coin flips and the significance of using a coin to make important decisions. Let's first look at the history of coin flipping and how the practice has been used. It is thought that the coin flip dates back to the Roman Empire where it was originally known as Navia at Caput, which translates to ship or heads. Coins displayed a ship on one side and a replica of the emperor's head on the other. It was played a little differently back then as heads or the emperor's side was always the winning side. Some historians believe that the game of flipping a coin originates in ancient Greece where one side of a shell was covered with black pitch and then tossed in the air the same way a coin is flipped. When the practice made its way over to England, it became known as cross and pile. And to this day, if two candidates for office in the UK receive exactly the same number of votes, and after three recounts, the election can be decided by a coin flip. In the US, the naming of Portland, Oregon was decided by a coin toss, and starting in 1892, it's been used to decide which football team gets the ball first. A few years later, in 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright tossed a coin to decide who would fly first in that historic flight. Now, losing an election, or the opportunity to be the first man to take flight, or possession of a football can have significant outcomes for the individual stakeholders. But what if the stakes were really high? On a fateful day in February 1959, a coin toss decided who lived and who died. The guitarist Tommy Alsup was touring with Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson, also known as the Big Bopper, when he very serendipitously lost a coin toss with Valance for a seat on the plane that crashed, killing Valance, Holly Richardson, and the pilot Roger Peterson. 
This is a fact I first learned as a kid watching the Season 3 X-Files episode, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, in which Peter Boyle plays the title psychic who can see how and when people are going to die. While walking through the woods with Mulder and Scully, Mulder asks if he can remember the first time that he was able to see how someone was going to die. He tells them how he became obsessed with the idea that a coin toss could determine someone's fate. The Big Bopper was not supposed to be on the plane with Buddy Holly. He won the seat from somebody else by flipping a coin for it. I'm still not following. Imagine all the things that had to occur, not only in his life, but in everybody else's, to arrange it so that on that particular night, the Big Bopper would be in a position to live or die depending on a flipping coin. Vince Gilligan, creator of Breaking Bad, got his start as a writer and producer on The X-Files. At the 20th anniversary of the show at Comic-Con, he mentioned that Clyde Bruckman is one of his favorite characters. How about you, Vince? Uh, gosh, so many. Uh, he's not really, he's not a bad guy at all, really, but he was uh, the central antagonist of an episode. was uh, was um, uh, the wonderful character played by uh, Peter Boyle in... Uh, was Vince thinking about Clyde Bruckman or that ill-fated flight that Richie Valens won a seat on when he wrote the coin toss into his Breaking Bad script? We'd have to ask him. But when we examine how the coin flip is used in Breaking Bad, we can see that it raises questions about choice and fate. Is a coin flip really random? Did Walt ever really lack choice? At the beginning of Breaking Bad, Walt is not quite comfortable with the idea of taking a life. He kills Emilio out of self-defense, but when Crazy Eight survives the phosphine gas poisoning, Walt and Jesse are left with the problem of what to do with him. When discussing who will handle the body and who will handle Crazy Eight, Walt suggests that they flip a coin. Jesse immediately volunteers to handle Emilio's body, but it's too late. It's up to the coin to decide. Heads or tails? No, I'll, I'll do the, the body and the acid, okay? Heads or tails? <laughs> Heads. Heads. Like the gas station attendant in No Country for Old Men, Jesse calls Heads and he wins the coin toss, if you can classify being responsible for the chemical disincorporation of a human being as winning. But what is really at stake in this coin toss? Is it just divvying up two unpleasant jobs neither of them wants to do? One task is arguably worse than the other, and though Jesse is tasked with disposing of the body by himself, well, we see how well that works out, and Walt ends up having to help him clean up that mess too. And as awful as that task is, the loser of the coin toss, Walt, must kill someone with malice aforethought. Crazy Eight is chained to a pole in Jesse's basement with a bike lock around his neck. Killing him would be an act of premeditated murder. It's hard to claim that there were no other choices or that it is self-defense when they have Crazy Eight cornered. Speaking of cornered, there is another very momentous coin toss that happens later in the series. In Season 4, Episode 8, Cornered, Skylar takes Holly to the Four Corners National Monument and flips a coin to decide which state she should run away to. Both times she flips the coin, it lands in Colorado, but we see her drag the coin back into the New Mexico corner with her shoe. 
the coin, the fates, whatever you want to call it, is telling her to go, 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 but she ultimately decides to overrule the coin and stay. She is exercising free will at this moment and not leaving such a decision up to fate. And for Skylar, her decision also has deleterious consequences. If, if, if this is true, then how could you keep this a secret? I, I mean, why? Why would you go along? I'll be asking myself that for the rest of my life. What about Walt? What role does fate and choice play in his story arc? Was he always fated to turn into Heisenberg? Or did external circumstances acting upon him turn him into the monster he becomes? And how much choice did he really have in the matter? Personally, I'm of the opinion that it's as though a gene got switched on. The capacity for violence was always within him, perhaps lying dormant, until environmental triggers switched it on. You can think of cancer as a switch, or the coin toss as a switch, but the potential for Heisenberg was always there. And once that gene got switched on, he could never go back to who he was after killing Crazy Eight. In episode two of the podcast, I suggested that what Walt really loses in the coin toss is his soul. I don't know. It just, it just doesn't it seem like something's missing. What about the soul? Now, this isn't to say that I believe that he's overtaken by some biblical evil. Not at all. But what I mean is that the choice to kill Crazy Eight is one that sets him on a path that he cannot come back from. He is tainted, and though he does his best for a short period of time to return to some sort of normal life, he can't. Not really. Whatever, man. I just want to go home. Newton's first law of motion tells us that an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and the same direction unless acted upon by an external force. Once that Heisenberg switch got flipped, he is a force that will remain in motion. You're listening to Growth Decay Transformation. We'll be right back. Let's get cooking. We're back with more Growth Decay Transformation. Is fate punishing them? Did the act of killing Crazy Eight erode Walt's soul? Did Skylar's choice to stay in New Mexico doom her? Walt and Skylar are hardly the only two characters in the show who make questionable or bad choices. They all do. From Marie's kleptomania to all of the terrible choices that Jesse and Mike make, to Hank's decision not to go to the DEA after he realized who Walt really was. As viewers of the show, it's up to us to decide whether we think their choices were reasonable or justified. Often, the characters are forced to pick from a selection of bad choices. We see this in Better Call Saul, too, where the question of choice is perhaps even more prominent in the storytelling. This is a bad idea. What? We all make choices, right? And those choices, they put us on a road. And the road has good choices and it has bad choices. This is a bad choice road. At the end of No Country for Old Men, Anton Sugar shows up at Carla Jean Moss's house to kill her, just as he promised Llewellyn he would. She argues that he has no cause to kill her, so Sugar concedes, leaving it to a coin toss. 
He orders her to call it. Call it. No. I ain't gonna call it. Call it. The coin don't have no say. It's just you. I got here the same way the coin did. To Shigur, the coin represents the randomness of the universe and the risk of death to every single human being. Is it random that Walter White lost the coin toss that day and was fated to be the one to kill Crazy Eight? Or is it as Carla Jean says, that the coin has no say one way or the other? At the beginning of the series, Walt is a very passive man who mostly leaves choices up to others. He complains at one point that he feels that he never makes any of his own choices. But is that true? Does he really lack choice? He believes Gretchen and Elliot ousted him from Grey Matter, but as Vince Gilligan later confirmed, Walt left Gretchen because he felt inferior to her family's wealth. In an argument with Gretchen later in the series, they clearly have different memories of how things went down. Walt clearly thinks of himself as a victim that has been denied his stake in the company. He is constantly blaming others for things that go wrong in his life, and we see him rationalize that many of the choices he makes are for the ultimate good. We see several instances where he makes some really nefarious choices to achieve certain desired outcomes. In Watching Jane Die, for example, he gets rid of a problem that could potentially harm Jesse. Would Jesse have continued to spiral and perhaps OD and die? Maybe. It certainly seemed that he was headed in that direction. But whether or not that justifies Walt's inaction, his choice to not save Jane, is a different question. The point is that he chose not to act. He chose to walk away from Grey Matter. He chose to kill Crazy Eight. He chose to cook meth. He chooses to do most of the horrible things he does. At times, he chooses to take an active role, and others, he chooses to remain inactive. But not acting can still be a form of participation. There is a distinction to be made from passive observation and intentional inaction. In the case of Jane, it was not merely passive observation. He had the ability and, arguably, the moral imperative to save her. So, where did his path to Heisenberg begin? Was it his initial decision to team up with Jesse to cook meth in the pilot episode? Is there a single turning point? Does it happen the moment he decides to kill Crazy Eight? And did he really have no choice but to kill him? So I should just let you go, then just unlock you and adios, huh? I don't see what real choice you have. If it's between that and cold-blooded murder. After they clean up Emilio and he takes care of Crazy Eight, Walt and Jesse decide to part ways and put their meth partnership behind them. Did Walt have no choice but to go back to cooking meth to pay for his treatment? He offered me a job. What? Yes. Kind of like some fig leaf, you know? <laughs> some face-saving bullshit that allowed me to generously accept his charity. And then when I turned that down, he flat out offered to pay for my treatment. Walt has choices. And he has always had choices. 
The choice to not make a choice is still a choice. The choice to defer decisions to a coin toss is still a choice that he makes. He chose to kill Crazy Eight. He chose not to accept the money from Elliot and Gretchen. He chose to cook meth instead. And over the course of the series, we see him go from inactive to active, good to bad. And he is quite adept at not taking any responsibility for his decisions along the way. He may have at times been given poor choices to choose from, but he is nevertheless responsible for making the decisions he does. He is a master at deluding himself into thinking that he always made the choices that he did, no matter how awful they are, for the right reasons. Maybe this is how it started, but it's not the way it ended, and even he finally acknowledges this near the end of the series. Wait! Jane die. All the things that I did. You need to understand. I have to hear one more time that you did this for the family. I did it for me. So what do you think? Do you think Walt was always fated to become Heisenberg? What role does choice and fate play in the things that happened to him and the other characters in the series. We flipped a coin. Coin flip is sacred. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow our podcast and hit that bell for notifications. As a new podcast, we greatly appreciate your support. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Those who wish to support Growth Decay Transformation can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash growth decay transformation. Connect with us on Twitter at BreakingBadGDT and write to us at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com. You can also find our producer Talitha's Instagram at TalithaMakesThings.